0: HSD are experts in delivering tech solutions to the VET sector, working with clients such as the Department of Education, Skills and Employment, ASQA and the VRQA. HSD understand the complexities of VET, its systems and data. We specialize in systems integration, customer relationship management systems, Microsoft platforms and migrating organizations to the cloud. So whether you're looking for advice on integrating your systems, meeting your data reporting requirements or looking to gain insights into your stakeholders, HSD are here to help visit hst.com.au or follow us on linkedin from Claire field and associates I'm Claire and I'm pleased that you could join me for this episode of What Now, What Next? Insights into Australia's tertiary education sector Episode 56, and I was pleased to be joined on the podcast this week by Jenny Dodd, the interim CEO of TAFE Directors Australia. Jenny is at the helm of TDA as the sector undergoes a period of significant reform, and her insights and experience from her time working in leadership roles in the ACT, Queensland, and Tasmanian TAFE systems, as well as her networks across the TAFE sector, give her a deep understanding of where things are now and the future challenges and opportunities. As you'll hear, Jenny and I sat down to talk on the day Minister Robert announced details of the new industry cluster arrangements, which will come into effect in January 2023, replacing the current Skills Service Organisations, SSOs, the Industry Reference Committees, the IRCs, the Australian Industry Skills Committee, the AISC, and the pilot skills organisations. It's taken me a little while to put the final touches on the episode and get it out to you, and uh, apologies for the delay on timeliness on that. Now, while there's obviously a need for better industry engagement in VET, and the government is mostly following the recommendations of the Joyce Review on these changes, there's one area in particular where I'm concerned, and that's what appears to be, again, the lack of real engagement for VET providers in the new arrangements. You might recall it's something that Stephen Joyce pointed out as a flaw in our current system, and it's also something that long-time listeners to the podcast will know, that Terry Moran, the architect of national training packages and the person who took the decision to exclude educators from their design and development processes, has conceded does not work. Note, uh, it's not that I've had Terry on as a guest, although he'd obviously always be welcome, but it was one of his observations he made in his fairly recent review of TAFE SA and which I've discussed on previous uh, episodes. Now, Jenny points to a number of reasons why educators need to be more involved in the development of training packages, and it's to be hoped that they will be central in the new industry cluster arrangements. I note ITEC is also of the same view, and he's hoping that the two peak bodies can convince government policymakers of this before the new industry clusters take effect. Jenny goes on to also discuss the need for the new arrangements to allow TAFEs to work collaboratively with local employers. And this, again, um, has been a long-standing tension in the system with industry representatives giving advice on training package design at the national level, but the current system being too restrictive to allow sufficient flexibility to take those national products and tailor them to local needs. And anyone working in an RTO will know uh, the the challenges that you face, getting on board employer feedback and not really being able to use it um, as much as you would like. And, of course, given her background, Jenny also had a lot of excellent insights into the need for flexibility and responsiveness when new VET funding arrangements are agreed, hopefully before 30 June 2022 in the next National Skills Agreement. Finally, before I move into my conversation with Jenny, if you listened to last week's episode and enjoyed it and wanted to know more about the University of Wollongong's Ola Programme, They've got a new website, and I've included a link to it in the notes for this episode, as well as a link to the Minister's announcement about the new industry clusters. And now here's Jenny and her insights on the TAFE sector. It is a real pleasure for me this afternoon to, to be joined by the interim CEO of TAFE Directors Australia, Jenny Dodd. Jenny, welcome and thank you for your time.
1: Thank you, Claire.
0: Um, now, we've known each other going back a little while. Um, we certainly perhaps, are. perhaps a bit longer than a little while. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with your background. But for people who are newer to the sector, tell us a bit about yourself, a bit about your background and what you're currently doing.
1: Thank you. Well, it's great to be here, Claire. And thank you very much for inviting me to talk with you this afternoon. So I'm going to start, really. I I began my career in marketing and I spent 10 years with corporates and and, uh, government-based marketing departments in Sydney and then later on in Canberra. And during that time, that marketing career, I think, has been fundamental often to my latter career in TAFE because from time to time, I've popped up and run the marketing department of the various tapes that I've been in as well. So that was the beginning of my career. During some of that time, I took 18 months off and worked for, with unemployed youth in Western Sydney. And that gave me a taste for the first time of the training sector, because that was around training of the community not-for-profit training sector. That was a really stimulating time. Then in, then I came to Canberra and worked for uh, Medibank and Medicare at the time. And that, that also then started to introduce some new horizons in what it meant to be in Canberra and also to be connected on a, an outlying part of the public, the Commonwealth Public Service, so that, which was the case at the time with Medicare. So that was all my early career. And then I worked for a private training provider here in Canberra that went bankrupt so that that all informs your thinking as well and then finally I got a job when I had three young children with Canberra Institute of Technology on two hours a week would you believe as a casual teacher uh, while I had these three little kids which then grew into a full-time job I became Head of the department, taught marketing and communication. And then many of many people will know I took while working at CIT, I took quite significant leadership in what was the Australian Flexible Learning Framework at the time, which is about, which was a change management program to introduce e-learning into uh, vocational education and training. And that was happening at a national level. And then from there I went back into CIT, held various positions, and, and finally as deputy chief executive education. Fabulous career through CIT, Canberra Institute of Technology. And then I took off and went and uh, went to be part of the new executive of the One Tafe Queensland model. And I was general manager of the Gold Coast. And that was very stimulating, being part of a brand new executive team, forming a new approach to one large TAFE system. Uh, And so much that we were doing there in TAFE Queensland and the quality of the TAFE Queensland approach to the use of size and scale to deliver outcomes was fantastic. I went on from there to work in Brisbane for a year as Chief Academic Officer and again, Executive Lead of the Marketing Team. And I did that for a year. And then uh TASTAFE came knocking, and I took an opportunity to go to Tasmania and be the CEO of TASTAFE for three years. And that finished at the end of last year. And then I was uh connected in the sector, but not working as as, as hard, I guess, or as long as I had been, and um, came back to Canberra and then Uh, The previous CEO of of TDA, Craig Robertson, took a new position in Victoria and and I said, yes, I'd step in for this period of time. So I've been fortunate. I do this job in TDA with a huge number of connections in the TAFE system around Australia. Both the national work I did, but also living in three different states with three different approaches has given me insights that many others uh, possibly haven't had the opportunity to have in the way that I have.
0: For sure, um, and also you—you've got another connection um, that you also sit on the board of Ibsa, one of the um, SSOs in in the sector. So that's another lens that you've got that, again, many people wouldn't have um, have that experience. Which you know, I'm sure you bring to to this role as well.
1: I, I, I think that, and that's that's been that was a, a role I took on when I came back here to Canberra, having left the tape system, and I'm I'm on the board of Ibsa now, which is very exciting during this time of uh, what is and today you and I are, are meeting on the day that the new industry clusters have actually been announced by the Minister. So that's an exciting time to see how industry is going to adapt to this changing environment in which we find ourselves. So I do see it from multi lenses. I see it from the provider. I've worked not only in the TAFE, but for a shorter time in in not-for-profits and in in the for-profit private sector of training, and then I see it from the industry side as well. So Brilliant. This-
0: Well, we're very lucky to have your uh, depth and breadth of of insights, Um, and and you're right. uh, You know, today we've learnt more about uh, industry clusters and, you know, we'll see what that means into the future. But the other negotiations between the Commonwealth and states and territory on what, you know, nerds like I and others in the sector um, have been, and policymakers have been, you know, holding on to is the... New National Skills Agreement. And why is that important? Well, you know this, but for listeners who don't and think it's just a nerd thing, um, it sets out the funding arrangements and the policy direction for the VET sector for usually at least five years. So, So those negotiations have been delayed until the first half of of next year. Um, And I wonder, though, if you could talk at at sort of a high level, what are the kinds of things that
1: the TAFE sector will be looking for in that um, agreement? So, So you're right, Claire. The National Skills Partnership Agreement is around how the funding moves between the Commonwealth to support the states to deliver their agendas in terms of skills training. And TAFES are part of their state system. So this is a negotiation that occurs with the ministers in their states and the Commonwealth Minister. One of the things the TAFES, and, and indeed, I'm going to speak here from a state perspective. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's really important, having worked in different states, and I've worked in uh, I've worked in Canberra, a community that is uh, limited geographically, but very committed to education and training. I have worked in the Gold Coast, a very different community to Canberra, then then to Brisbane, and I've been part of the TAFE Queensland team that has also looked at all of the, uh, the communities that span the whole of Queensland and had those cons- con- discussions. And then, of course, I went to Tasmania, and Tasmania is, yet again, a different regional context with small communities, high regional needs, and high needs in terms of what the skills agenda can do for people's capabilities to be meaningful parts of the economy and their communities. The important thing all of that gives you is the critical component of that is it's never the same in those very different places. And therefore what I think the TAFEs in particular know is whether they're a large TAFE like TAFE Queensland or TAFE New South Wales, or whether they're smaller TAFEs, they have to be across all of their region. And they need some degree of flexibility to provide the outcome that is right for those communities I often think of the words of John Party from Monash when when I think about what um, what vocational education and training is, and, and I'm going to read read a little sentence to you, Claire, because I, I think it's always no,
0: please, you go. Yep,
1: dri- driven what I what I think works. Vet is about applied learning and practical education in ways that are distinctive and grounded in networks of local employers and community, and I think TAFE. Embodies that TAFE is often the core part of a community, especially when we start talking about regional communities. It's critical, but but indeed, right across our metropolitan areas. And what the TAFEs need in that National Skills Agreement is the ability to be able to be flexible and responsive. And that's what states need. The states need the ability to be able to use the levers of skills to drive the economic outcomes that they're looking for. And TAFEs are part of that equation. And so I think that that's that's the there's there's a number of changes that are that are in play: the National Skills Commission and common pricing. Mm-hmm. And and while some of these changes are economically sound, it's often not just at the quantitative analysis level that you need to review the impact of those changes. It's at the qualitative impact of those on regional communities, and that's where. The state uh, federation, if you like, will defend their ability to use those skills agreements to drive the economic outcomes and the community change that they need, and TAFEs are part and integral to that. And so I look at what we used to do just in Tasmania, just in Tasmania alone between, say, Hobart and Burnie. They're very different environments. And when you play that out right across Australia in every community, it's that flexibility. That we absolutely need. For sure.
0: And look, uh, as someone who um, is supportive of some more national consistency, and I have, you know, written and blathered on about that um, uh, in the past, that's not to, to say that a, a, a single national approach uh, works. Um, I haven't had your depths of experience, but certainly having worked in Two different state governments and for for the commonwealth uh, and done a variety of different things in those roles um, it's quite clear that skills as part of the economic and community development arms of government need to have that kind of flexibility and responsiveness it's going to be very hard for bureaucrats to craft uh there was a time many years ago when I was in the room as that crafting was happening. It's hard. Those conversations are really challenging. And, you know, despite even if the, the Commonwealth put more money on the table, there's a lot that states might be asked to to give up. So it's it's complicated. Um, but we are also going to need some certainty. So here's hoping those conversations are Ongoing, and those negotiations continue to progress, so that the sector can, without the chaos of you know um, endless reform, but can move into uh, whatever the the new funding arrangements are.
1: And I agree with. I think that there's a lot of positive that's coming from the investment into a deeper level of analysis and a national perspective. I actually I absolutely want to speak in support in that. And and we all, as taxpayers, want to see the taxpayers' dollars used effectively for the public good. And, and all of that, I think, is improvements in the sector. So I don't want to speak totally oh, And I didn't
0: hear it. Sorry if I've uh, said I know, I definitely didn't hear it as it's that. It, it's that balance, isn't it? It's a balance. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And, uh, and the lever of that balance is so important at the local level. Yeah, that's a a great uh, point. So,
0: you know, we're not just uh, chatting um, as, you know, new reforms are emerging, but we're also chatting as um, states are starting to open up Mm post-COVID and we're looking at 2022 as a new COVID world um, and hoping that vaccines keep us all going. So as Australia is opening up and we're hearing constantly about skill shortages and a need for the economic rebuild. What are some of the challenges that you think TAFEs are going to be called on to meet? And, you know, tell us what it is that they're doing in, in preparation for that.
1: So in, in our little introduction about my background, I we, I talked about the Australian Flexible Learning Framework, which was a program at the time in the early parts of the 2000s about stimulating the use of technology to underpin learning and development within the skills agenda. And a lot was achieved, but a lot was achieved very slowly. What happened in 2020 at the start of COVID, we saw quantum change to how skills were delivered in our sector because we had to. And we saw people have to grasp in our sector as a workforce in our sector but not just a workforce of our sector, but also the workforces of many sectors and the expectations of both employers and students, they all had to grasp how to use technology. Now, there so many things have improved since those early 2000 and now that have allowed some of that to occur, including things like the NBN and the ability that we have with technology for people to rapidly transition to working from home. But I still think that the one big challenge that will continue that TAFE still have in front of them is how do they make sure they keep abreast with the digital change that is occurring in every workplace and how do they keep abreast both as their own for their own workforce? But, but equally, how do they use um, systems effectively that provide both data, business intelligence, and streamline some of those uh, uh, enrollment processes and other processes most effectively so that the investment can go into learning and development? And then how do they work with their employer partners? And we think here, you know, sectors like the aged care sector, which probably haven't used lots and lots of technology, how do they work with some of those sectors to help support them as they too transition into the use of technology? So I I, I do think that one of the biggest changes coming through, that has come through, but will continue to be one of the things that we have to keep on top of and isn't easy is that whole digital agenda and digital change for both skilling but also equipping our workforces to understand how they can rapidly adapt adapt and adopt new technologies and use them and, and informed in all that is such different business intelligence than we used to have and even even this year I've been talking I was talking with some of um the people in TasTech and we had introduced a new BI tool, business intelligence tool, and they were saying to me what a difference it was making in terms of real-time data for decision-making. These things are all coupled together, that we move away from just a teacher being in the classroom to a teacher using digital technologies to a whole system support process where they can access data, see how students are learning, but also access data to see who, who, who's on a wait list. All of these, all of these components come together for our business of TAFE, but also for the business partnerships that we engage in with our employer groups. So I think that's one of the biggest challenges that are in front of us uh, to be to keep and, and keep investing in those sort of changes. I think the second thing that's going to happen and, and the industry cluster uh, announcements today are all about rapid response to what the skill needs are by industry for what we need to do in TAFE to deliver those skill needs, to be more rapidly responding to those changes. Now, I'm all for that, but that sits within large systems and that needs to be remembered. But I want to distinguish between industry and and local employers. So industry does do all that thinking up front. That's great. But then, and and I really believe in what industry do there and saying these are the outcomes we want. We want our future workforce to be able to do X, Y, and Z. But the thing that I'm looking forward to is the ability of TAPES to work with local employers in this new environment to collaborate, to converse, and to co-design to meet that outcome so that the industry training products are less driven by you shall do A, then B, then C, then D, then E, more we need you to know the alphabet and we need you to work through how you're going to get there in terms of the regional communities. And we need these skills and we need to be able to demonstrate those skills. So I think there's that that sort of sophisticated skill set of being able to collaborate and work through solutions That do meet these outcomes that industry have prescribed in quick timeframes and then can be implemented effectively without taking monumental system change that delays that because the whole process has become so prescriptive and tick box that there's so much to happen in in the back end process. I think we always have to remember that the TAFEs are there for their students and they want to be able to exit the students with the right skills for industry but they need to make sure that they can do what is required to meet all of those various uh stakeholder groups and and so it is a complex system but i think i think one of those that that opportunity now to have quicker skills quicker skill development i look forward to that But I want to be able to see that there isn't going to be a whole lot of obstacles in the system that prevent that happening. And that means that we have to be able to be genuine to that word about co-design and understand the various perspectives that come into it.
0: Oh, you've been so eloquent and I've been nodding, but not that this is a a visual uh, means of communication, but you've seen I've been nodding. Listeners will just have to take it from me that I have been nodding um, all the way through. And I think I'm even going to join your first and your second point together because it seems to me that one of the challenges we experienced in the system during COVID, not through anyone's um, Uh, deliberate um, intent to cause problems, but what we suffered from was some of those industry figures who have input into the current design of training packages and qualifications, unaware of the advances in digital education and the, the possibilities and opportunities that were there. So I'm hoping and that was a hindrance to some. For some industries, it was better to do no training during COVID than it not be done, as it's always been done, in the workplace for this many hours. better not to have aged care workers or nurses or others in other essential industries because there was a lack of awareness and confidence in um, a simulated learning environment, and I don't mean an online PDF and a Zoom classroom, real genuine um, technological uh, progress. And it seems to me that's the other critical component with these industry clusters, that hopefully, um, as I understand it's been designed to be, that training providers are part of those discussions as they're redesigning Qualifications. so yes they do have to be less prescriptive they do have to allow allow for that local tailoring but they also have to have some educational expertise at the design that that needs to be co-designed as well um, to respect what industry needs in the skills in the workplace but to understand this is a process which involves educators so I have a lot of fingers and toes crossed I think it's going to be a challenge for us and and we could do worse than look to Germany and the UK and, you know, lovely little New Zealand, where these kinds of arrangements, let's be honest, are further advanced than ours, where we have held on to that level of prescription as the only way to try and safeguard a false understanding of, of quality,
1: I think. So- Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and- some of the investment that TAFEs have made in very sophisticated simulation environments need to be understood, and, I, and I'm not, you know, it's an open invitation. It, it's not uniform across the TAFEs by any stretch of the imagination, but it is very much a part of their business model to make sure that investment is incurring where it is going to really benefit significant numbers of students and be, and be actually at the cutting edge for what we need in industry. And and I think that you're you're quite right. We have to understand the value of that in the learning environment and how that learning actually has multiple dimensions, not just to the actual industry those people are going into, but to the transferable skills of the application of technology in a broader context of of their career and their lifelong learning environment. And if they choose within, say, the healthcare industry to move between various roles, that ability to use technology will be so critical and we undervalue it to some extent at the moment, even though we intrinsically know we need a workforce at every level with high levels of digital skills. So the two have to come together quite effectively and TAFEs have made that investment. When I was in Tasmania, and and I want to thank the Minister for skills and education at the time, who who facilitated high investment in in our nursing and our health facilities in Launceston and Hobart to ensure that those students now had the best learning environment, and that's replicated right across the country. And it's not just in the health industries; it's much more broad than that. The construction facilities, all of the, the many of the facilities, for sure. are there. Mm. Of course, there's you know the other partnership there is to work with industry. In using their equipment, which is happening all the time as well,
0: and I, I agree. And I love the example as well of of uh, industries like aged care, which are not technologically advanced, to draw on the expertise within TAFEs and other RTOs where you do have that technological, digital understanding and capacity, and to help uh, local employer partners to understand and prepare for and train their workers for. Technology that can assist them in the work that they are doing. It's a very exciting uh future, challenging, uh, but when has VET not been challenging? I think that's the reason why some of us, once we get into it, we get hooked and we um and we're caught for, for life. Um, Jenny, it is always such a pleasure to chat to you. I recall we first met on the Flexible Learning Advisory Group. Uh, I came in towards the tail end of that and I really enjoyed our conversations then. I've learnt such a lot, as always, um, including today. So thank you
1: very much for your time. Claire, thank you for inviting me and thank you for letting me showcase, really, the TAFE sector and what it's doing to be a partner in all this skilling change. And I really appreciate it. Thank you, Claire.